I'm Stuart Brand. This seminar about long-term thinking is brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. If you would like to see high-quality videos of the talks in the series, including this one, they are available online for Long Now members at longnow.org. Denise. Hey. So if knowledge is so political, can you really be as neutral as you claim? <laughs> Actually, I, was, I had a question for you that I, that I want to start with. And we'll get back to that one if, they really, if you really want to do it. Um, have you ever used a real paper encyclopedia? Yes, I have. Are you, How you, old do you think I am? I'm checking. <laughs> do, you think, do you think you're one of the last to, to uh, do that? Quite likely. Yes, it's been a while since I consulted them, um, one, for actual, um, for actual knowledge, uh, although they're, they're a lot of fun to, um, to look at for a window into historical ways of, of looking at knowledge. In fact, uh, on the last trip out to the Long Now Clock site, mm -hmm. um, alongside the um, stocks of toilet paper in the porta potties, we had uh, copies of Encyclopedia Britannica for us to uh, peruse <laughs> during those you know, moments. Now, how lovely is that? How, how lonely? How, how lovely is that? Those, well, I, I, th I mean, I think was it a choice thing? Is that paper's really thin? I mean. um, <laughs> I, you could have looked at it that way, and I noticed that. I think we had um, M's, uh, start this, the end of the M's mm -hmm. uh, volume, and uh, a number of the mushroom identification pages had been ripped <laughs> out for future reference. But um, no, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's actually you know a, a beautiful way of of, uh, of coming to knowledge, which is entirely complementary. To, um, to the Wikipedia mode, I think, because there, there's more room for um, the serendipitous discovery of, of adjacency, like in you mm -hmm. know, the Dewey Decimal System, when you're in that section of the library. And I think we haven't quite figured out a way to recover that, um, that dimension of, of discovery in the electronic realm. Yeah, yet. well, Ted Nelson would say that doesn't matter, right? The hyperlink is the whole thing, but I know what you're talking about. Um, I love encyclopedias. I actually, you know, I actually read the encyclopedia in my house when I was a kid, which was a strange way to spend your childhood, but right. there you have it. Um, and so it's kind of funny that I'd end up at Wikipedia, given that, right? But I was thinking when they were talking about, uh, in a previous conversation, they were talking about the airship thing. I actually uh -huh. got an opportunity to write on the airship. Have you been on, on it yet? I have not, no. Yeah, so it's slow, right? It takes forever. But... One of the features of Wikipedia, and in fact the whole internet, is knowledge can now like pour into your brain as fast as you can consume it, or maybe faster than you can consume it. Right. And there's some evidence that at least the current generation of humans aren't really wired for that much information. Like people get sick from it, and and likewise from flying too much and too much speed and too much, you know. But I'm wondering because I have three 24-year-old kids. Mm -hmm. And they're wired differently. That sounds like an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll they're, they're not triplets. Okay. But they're wired differently, you know. They're in, and I think in the context of the existing school system, it's seen as a problem the way they're wired. Right. But I'm wondering if it isn't an asset in the long run. Um, well, I mean, I, th I think when you talk about how we're wired, there's, um, there are a couple of layers to that, at least, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, and our plasticity is as humans, is absolutely extraordinary, I think. I mean, um, I, I particularly like a, a comment that, uh, that Douglas Adams made, one, you know, the Hitchhiker's Guide author, um, who, uh, who said that uh, anything invented after you turn 15 um, is technology. 
Hmm. Right. So before that, it's just the air that you breathe. And up to a certain age, you know, we sort of um, just accept the world, in a sense, as we find it and adapt to that. So, I mean, I think there are, um, there are generational distinctions here. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think that... It doesn't make as much sense to me to say that we're not wired for, for uh, certain levels of information. I think we're, we're perhaps not um, educated for them and that, that schools are, you know, kind of catching on kind of slowly, universities even more slowly, um, mm-hmm. to, the, uh, to the reality of, of how people actually like to consume their information and their entertainment and everything mm-hmm. else. But, um, but, I, um, but I see those changes sort of um, as being possible, for, uh, more possible from generation to generation than within a generation. Hmm. Because, well, you know, after a certain age, it just gets harder. We, we did some surveys of, of uh, who the people that contribute to Wikipedia are, and their average is, you know, in their early 20s, they're white, they're male, they're, they're in some CS department somewhere, right, <laughs> they're up right. late, you now, know. Is, is, was this across the language well, it's a problem um, because or, or it's who, the, it's the who responds to the survey, that. unfortunately. Okay, right. and, and I think there have been surveys in other, the other languages, but really the bulk of the editors are in English and German and French. Right. But version, so, so that told you that people who like to respond to surveys are white and there you male go. and in their early there you 20s. Go. Right. But, but when we go meet editors, it, it, you know, we see something slightly different but not hugely different. I had this amazing meeting with, uh, we call her the snail lady, this woman um, that is a, a mollusk specialist who's now a housewife, uh-huh. and she's spending all of her time like plumping up the mollusks in, in Wikipedia, you know, uh-huh. right? Right, right. <laughs> because, it, and she's totally passionate about it. She actually told me she sees it as, as her legacy, like this, this is going to persist. Of all the things I've worked on, you know, my thesis, my this, my, this is actually going to persist, which I'm wondering, is that why you got involved in the clock, something that will persist? Um, not exactly. Um, I mean, and, and I'm sort of right at the other end of it from the engineering end. I'm sort of interested in the conversation like this um, mm-hmm. and all the other ones that spin off from it, which the, uh, the clock and all the other Long Now projects are kind of um, intended to engender. But mm-hmm. I, I, so it's not so much that um, I'm interested in a personal legacy, but that I see, the, um, I see value in this type of um, work and you know, want to sort of walk the talk in a sense, do um, be as involved as I can be in those things which I think are, um, are urgently needed. And, you know, improving our engagement with the longer term is something that is urgently needed, even though, you know, by its very nature, part of the problem is that we don't see the reason for that, or a lot of people don't see um, the value of thinking longer term. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you something uh, mm-hmm. that you touched on in, um, in your conversation with Peter about... Um, the, uh, the difference between wiki... Well, it sounded like there were three layers. There's Wikipedia, or all the various Wikipedias in different languages, the Wikimedia Foundation, which supports that, and then the movement that you referred to. And you made that distinction between Wikipedia as, a, as an artifact, an evolving artifact of mm-hmm. knowledge, and the movement behind it. Can you say a little bit more about, about the movement and what's going on there? Well, it's interesting because the movement is trying to figure itself out right now. I mean, sort of as we speak, they're working on a project called the Movement Roles where they try to sort out different people's jobs. I mean, it's grown organically, and of course, some people are natural leaders, some people have more influence or are you know, more persuasive, and over time, certain 
cultures have emerged, if you will. But yeah, it's interesting to me. So the foundation was not founded first, right? The Wikipedia was a few years old when the foundation happened, right. and it was created as a as a you know vehicle to hold the finances to keep the website running because it's not cheap, you know, <laughs> right? right. Um, there's a I'm on a, a mail list about foundations and how the, how to keep them running because I've been involved in open source for so long and there's a million open source foundations and they're getting to the place where not everybody can raise money to keep their foundation open so what do we do do we like you know move them all together because open source people are fundamentally futurists too right they they right. looked at the software industry and went oh this is so broken and instead of saying well you know I guess I'm going to spend my 30 years this way and then I'm going to you know, do the next thing. They went, we could change this, and they kind of rolled their sleeves up and started changing it, right? Um, and now here, 10 years on, they've got this problem. They said, well, you don't have that problem, Denise, because, you know, you guys make all your money from individual donations, and that's still true. So on, for some you know, level of truth, the movement is the 600,000 people who give us an average of $30. Okay. You know, right? I mean, we're really, don't, we're really actually funded that way by individual people mostly. Um, by and large, 80% of our money comes that way, which tells me that people who use Wikipedia and find it useful want to see it persist, and they appreciate that we don't have advertisement, and blah, 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 right? But, but it doesn't end at the boundaries of the, of the donation um, of, of donors, does it? I mean, because it seems to me that that, that, mm -hmm. that move, well, if you want to cordon it off, there's that movement, and then there's all those other open space initiatives that you referred to. I mean, how do they relate? Well, you, oh, you mean uh, the open source stuff? Well, right, yes, sorry, open source. Right, uh, so open source as a, as a set of rules that say, basically, um, if, I, if I give you a gift of my work, that work could, should continue to be available to me forever. Right. That's basically what open source says. I should be able to reuse that work because it's a gift. And, in fact, everybody should be able to reuse that work. Right, so starting with source code, which is the easiest way to understand it, I'm, I'm writing this program and I'm going to open it, and that means that if you come along later and you find a way to fix it, you can, and it's, it's a better project because It's anti-copyright. It's anti-copyright. That's Well, it's a new form of copyright uh -huh. is what it is. It uses copyright to protect itself. We called it copyleft, uh -huh. right? So, <laughs> so, so um, people who read Wikipedia are not often aware of that, you know, my mom reads Wikipedia, mm -hmm. and and she doesn't know much about the politics of that movement. But the people who donate the edits, they're very much those people. Um, they're they're giving because it makes them feel good to give, and they're hopeful that their donation of of time and knowledge is going to benefit the world in the long run. I mean, they're pretty pretty much always that, you know, organized that way. Sometimes they want to see their special subject covered better because uh, it needs better coverage, but, or, they, or they believe it does. But fundamentally, they're trying to give a gift to the future. Right. Right? And in a way that it's reusable. Um, so that donor community that I mentioned before, they're part of the readership, right? So 6% so of the human population of the world reads Wikipedia every month now, according to page views. And in the next five years, we're going to try to double that. And when we say that, we're talking about reaching more people, not like sort of increasing our market share, but having more people get the benefit of the knowledge and take some ownership. But one of our basic tenets, because of that open source thing, when, we take, when a new country starts a wiki, they have to show up and participate because participation is ownership. Right. And one of the things that the, that the Internet gives us is all another opportunity to participate. The, for the whole Industrial Revolution, we were um, sort of, you know, 
it's kept away from the means of production, right? As consumers, but now consumers are also producers. Right, right. No, and, th and that's sort of part of what I was getting at with the mm -hmm. question about the movement. Because although your mother might not be donating edits as a reader, she is part of a broader movement. Yeah, you know, oh, of absolutely. humanity, which ha which is um, you know uh, dismantling um, old um, hierarchies and and infrastructures and replacing them with new ones. And I mean, that's that's the level at which I find this really. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I uh, Freudian slipped before and said open space rather than open source. Which is now, also very space, interesting. Though. Yeah, open right. space is really right. cool. Right, so open space as, a, um, as an alternative way of organizing conferences and conversations and, you know, um, unconferences are another sort of frame for it that you can... Which the open source community kind of embraced right. thanks partly to Tim O'Reilly, right? But we all just sort of dove right into that. And, and yeah, I met Stuart Brand at an unconference. Of course I did, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> right, but this, I mean, sort of uh, handing the, uh, the, uh, the resources to people so that they can um, self-structure their own inquiry and their own conversations and their own learning is, I think, you know, a really kind of fascinating and getting broader trend of which wiki, um, mm -hmm. Wikimedia, Wikipedia, uh, and, and the donors and all of that movement are a really important part. But people getting used to the idea that the entitlement of the future is the ability to participate. It used to be the ability to, you know, hang around and wait for somebody to give you a gift. And when we go into the developing world, getting them to understand that it, this isn't a U.S. corporation coming in for them to, you know, milk for whatever we have to offer. This is for them to do something. Sometimes it's a shift that takes a minute um, to, for them to get, you know, right? Uh, because there have been so many waves of aid like the Peace Corps stuff that we were talking about earlier. Right. This is about, no, no, really, this is yours. It's only going to be as good as what you do with it. We don't write it. Well, I want to um, take us back to the governance question, but a slightly sure. different angle Go than for what it. Peter was asking. And, you know, um, the, uh, I wonder what lessons uh, there are in this work you're involved in for how we might structure our governing institutions. Um, you know, for governing society itself. That's not something that I've seen very much commentary on, but uh, you must have some thoughts on it. Well, it's an interesting question. So Wikipedia is, you, you get an immediate reaction from your action. You, you edit, you can see your edit, but it may be that just seconds later, your edit will get deleted. In the current state of Wikipedia, deletionism is an interesting trend. Uh, in, in the problem is we get so many views and that there is some real value to that, and I mean a monetary value to having your thing be on our website for some second or two. And so we have a fair amount of spam, people, because we offer the opportunity for anonymous accounts to, to do um, edits. So what ends up happening is people have written bots that go through and scrub new edits looking for likely spam, mm -hmm. right? And I think it's really disheartening to new participants, and I think if this were going to translate into a form of government, there'd have to be a check or balance created that slows the process enough that, uh, that, that people's real, you know, there isn't so much thrash, basically. The thrash is very expensive. You know how when Obama was started asking people good ideas, what are your good ideas? Mm -hmm. And the, the right. number one idea was legalize pot, man, you know. Right. Um, that went right to the top of the list. Yeah, there right. you go. Yeah. Now, I, we live in California. That's actually going to happen uh -huh. soon. Yay. But um, it's not the most pressing question. Right. right? And, and that happens in Wikipedia, too, where um, 
human nature sort of conspires to sometimes create a false sense and the, the thrash, the amount of yes, no, yes, no, yes, no that happens in people reverting each other's edits and then reinforcing them, re going back and forth is unfortunate and I think would probably slow down government at the end of the day. We see that now, I mean we're seeing it right now because we're about to have an election in the form of dueling TV commercials and radio commercials, like how much do you hate that, right? It turns people off to the whole process, so something would have to change there. But the idea that everybody gets an equal opportunity to rise all the way to you know, some kind of custodial behavior mm -hmm. with a fairly low barrier to entry and good, good work being cumulatively offering more, a meritocracy, uh, wouldn't be a bad thing, I think, in government. I mean, the, in the example you've just given, meritocracy and democracy are intention. You know, mm -hmm. because the more people you open open it to, the more thrash you get, and the more of that sort of toing and froing. Mm -hmm. Is isn't that the case? Yeah, but then you have to. Somebody's got to make the tough decisions, right? And and how to get those done? I mean, I, even in my daily job, uh, simple things like you know we're going to create a new data center because we need a better data center, uh, and there are at least 500 people with opinions about how we ought to do that. But at the end of the day, I have to get it done, and so I have to make some decisions. I'm not sure how you balance that stuff now. I mean, in, in the bicameral plus um, executive body way that we do things now, you know, it's meant to create this thing, this checks and balance thing. But it was also done 200 years ago mm -hmm. for a much slower time mm -hmm. and a much different way of interacting. Not that we have the perfect system, you know, but... It, it, it's interesting because uh, nationalists in America think that, that this needs to go everywhere in the world. My experience of being in the Peace Corps is they could do without some, some of our ideas, frankly, you know, particularly layered onto their culture without a whole lot of understanding of where they live and who they are and all that stuff. So I think there's some potential there. The tools are going to have to get better. Right. And then we have the problem uh, of, you know, is the Internet going to persist and can we... Can we trust it? I believe that we'll figure out how to make the internet really bulletproof at some point, but we're going to go through some thrash first. You know. Have any open source advocates um, systematically attempted to apply that thinking to, put to political governance? Actually, the, the, the big place you see this is people wanting the voting system to be open, the code to be visible so that, so that there's less opportunity for misuse and fraud and all that stuff. And there are a lot of people working on that. that I think it's unre un unlikely that that system won't fall. I mean, what happens with open source is there's some entrenched business interest. It's an old business model. Well, you see this with music, right? right? It's an old business model. The new wave washes through, and they're forced to the table because um, it's so obvious to you know, casual people or users or somebody who gets to make a vote. Uh, with their feet, usually, and then the old one falls, and the new thing is the way we do things now. That's that's like music downloads, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think it, we don't have any countries yet that are governed by open source, if that's what you mean. I think we're. Well, I just I'm not sure if voting goes far enough. We're still experimenting within the open source movement about the ideal way to manage things. There's still very famous projects where everybody's kind of mean to each other. Well, we're trying for generosity. So. It's a good thing to try for. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. Thank you. This seminar about long-term thinking was brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. Thanks to Fora TV, you can see high-quality videos of the talks online by joining Long Now as a member at longnow.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Stuart Brand.